Welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast, everyone. Thanks again for joining us. Um, If you've been a listener for a while, you'll know that uh, the Six Ways from Sunday podcast is all about tackling some of life's most difficult questions, uh, questions about being human and figuring out our place in this world and how we navigate life and how our life of faith and our journey of faith plays a role in that. And uh, today on our podcast, I have the pleasure of having both uh, Reverend Robin King, who is our minister here at the Bash United Church and Pinocchio United Church as part of Rising Spirit Ministry, and also um, Reverend Stephen Harper from Simons Valley United Church in Calgary. So we are doing a, uh, a Zoom virtual podcast meeting and recording the audio from our conversation as the three of us um, record from our three separate locations. So Stephen and Robin, Thank you guys both so much for coming on today and joining me for a, a conversation. Thanks, Ben. Great to be here. I noticed you didn't make us all coffee, Ben. Yeah, I made myself a very delicious latte. Um, and I'm sorry that I couldn't share share that with, with both of you. But Robin, I'm assuming you have access to some delicious church coffee. And Is there yeah. anything better? Uh, well, that's a whole separate conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen, I don't know if you've got a... Uh, a coffee to join us virtually. Lemonade. Oh, wonderful. Well, yeah. cheers, guys. Cheers. And cheers. Uh, just to let everybody know, we we uh, sort of decided that today's theme for a conversation when we were setting this up and decided, well, what should we talk about? I suggested that, you know, in, um, in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis and everything that's going on in the world, what a wonderful time to just sort of explore what what our faiths or what church's role is in providing spiritual health care. So at a time when we see the world uh, lifting up frontline healthcare workers who are putting their own health and their the health of their family members and loved ones at risk by going into hospitals and working emergency rooms and responding to this crisis, um, treating patients who are ill with this very contagious virus, um, we've seen how the world has responded to uh, to lift those those people up and, and celebrate those workers, thank them in various creative ways um, by giving rounds of applause from balconies and singing. And we've seen it in Italy, we've seen it in New York, and we've seen it everywhere that everywhere that these hot spots have been popping up. And uh, as leaders in our own faith communities, we've also been seeing how the role of church has had to change, but I, I think that we we play an important role in society, or the church plays an important role in society in providing a similar type of um, frontline care, but for people's spiritual well-being uh, as opposed to their physical well-being. So that's sort of the the loose conversation starter for today, and I'd really love to hear um, thoughts from both of you as ordained ministers and as part of the United Church, as leaders and people who are involved in uh, taking your ministry online, which our world has had to adapt and not just in, you know, um, organizations of of faith, but businesses. Um, My daughter's dance studio has had to figure out how to take the dance lessons online. Our whole world is is trying to figure out how to pivot and uh, stay relevant and and stay productive and keep doing what we need to do. Um, so how do we as churches, as faith organizations, as communities of faith, take what we're doing 
online and respond to the needs of people's spiritual well-being and spiritual health at a time when it's it's tough for people out there right now uh sure uh, i mean uh, yes we you know i i was saying about this on sunday um well, I was thinking about this on Sunday. We did we did communion on Sunday. It was Easter, uh, and we did virtual communion. Um, although uh, I love the way uh, the United Church moderator talks about that because he says it's it's uh, it's not virtual communion. It's virtual in place, but it's real uh, in in essence, essentially. Um, in that, uh, what I was what I would normally be thinking on a Sunday on an Easter Sunday morning is, oh, this look at all the people here. It's, it's a crowd, right? Because it's Easter. People have brought their families and, and children, people who are visiting. Um, they've, they've come to church because it's Easter day. It's a big day. And uh, you would get to the communion part of the service. And I'm, I'm, of course, in my head, I'm going, look at all these people. Do we, do we have enough bread and juice? Do we, is this going to work out okay? Well, look, there's a big line over there. What about over here? Nope. And then it's going to work. It's going to make, it's fine. And this year, uh, and that was, there was three of us in the room uh, and what was going through my head was how, how awesome this is. <laughs> Not that it isn't every other year when there's a crowd of people. It's just that what was awesome about it was that we were, we were forced into a, a situation where we had to do it differently, but then perceive it differently. Uh, we, we, when we have communion, uh, it's, we focus on the people gathered in the room. Right, we've gathered as a community, and and so we focus on the people who are in the room, and that was an opportunity to go. I wonder who's I wonder who's participating, not just who's watching, but we invited people to have um, have something for the bread and for the juice, to so that they can actually participate in communion, and I wonder who's I wonder who's on the other end, participating in this, and then I thought I wonder how many other churches are experiencing this for the first time where instead of having to focus on how many people in the room, their thoughts are how many people are we connecting to out there and, and where, right? Because everyone was where they are. And uh, I just think that's a really, uh, it, it, it's, it is uh, absolutely a shame that it takes an experience like this to make us look at that differently. But I sure hope we are now. <laughs> I mean, we, have a, we have a Sunday, we have one Sunday a year that we call World Communion Sunday, right? We do all sorts of things um, where we, um, people who use the Revised Common Lectionary, for instance, one of the reasons that we do that is because we know then that other churches are using the same scripture passages that Sunday morning, right? We're connected. We're still focusing on the people in our own building, but we're, we're connected to the wider. But here's a moment where it, it's complete, that's a completely different perception now. We're, we're connecting in a way that's uh, not, not people in the room, it's it, we're, we're connecting with um, hearts and minds that we can't even see, right? So it's it's completely different level of sharing. And I just thought that was really, um, in the moment, it was really kind of amazing to think how many, I wonder how many people are actually participating this way. Uh, and to think that that's, uh, you know, and wherever, wherever they are. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we were able to look at how many views we get on the YouTube live stream and how many devices are connected and that number's going up and down throughout the service. And uh, I think we've been speculating on, well, why does the number go up and down? Are people going to the bathroom and they're just turning off their live stream for a few minutes? But I, I think it's that, uh, especially in rural areas, 
if your internet connection is not great, then it shows you as offline and then you're back on. And so there's, there's little things like that that we have to wrestle with, with making the technology work, but the, the feedback and, and you're able to see like the live stream chat on the side as, as we're going through the service and people are posting comments and posting little heart symbols and, and th those little pieces of feedback that we do have, have been really showing in the last, this last month that that, um, that online church experience means so much to people. I think that, I mean, we hope that maybe some people are checking it out who are absolutely new to church period or new to our church or new to rising spirit ministry. Um, and, and it's hard to know, and you know, unless they say something, we don't know how they're receiving it, who's online, where they are. Um, so you have to just kind of hope and, and have faith. But uh, Stephen, what, what was the, the last couple uh, weeks like for you? I mean, especially Easter Sunday, Palm Sunday, those are big services where you would normally, like Robin said, would see a crowd of people at Simons Valley United, I'm sure. Uh, and you got, an, you got an empty building. And what, what did you guys do to get through those two really big uh, Sundays? And even leading up to it, the, the couple weeks before that of not, not having in-person services? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think it's a fascinating observation that Robin made as we kind of adjust to the new reality and, and our, our folks are having to do that adjustment along with us. Uh, we haven't been live streaming quite as long as you all in Vashon Pinoka. We've only been live streaming for about three years now. And it started kind of as a pet project. You know, we just thought, oh, we'll get it out there for shut-ins and snowbirds and, and folks that, you know, can't otherwise make it out to our church and then it started to grow and started to take on a little bit of a life of its own but since we've been mandated that we can no longer be in our buildings on sunday in any kind of large crowd it's really taken off and this past easter was was quite um evident of how much it's taken off so on on ours we go to facebook live and we usually have i don't know a, a handful of folks that are with us for the whole live service. It's usually less than 30. Um, and they'll, they'll watch the whole service. But over the, the course of um, Good Friday and Easter Sunday, uh, we, were, we were up over, well over 100 for both of those, and that's households. There's, you know, in some more than one person watching it at one time. And then our views were insane. We were 1,200 people. And, and like, we're trying to figure it out as well at this point. And I suspect that what has happened is there's a lot of folks out there that their home congregation is not live streaming. And so they're kind of becoming a part of our community temporarily. But when it kind of generates that inertia, um, in the time after COVID-19, COVID when, when it's returning to a more normative expression of worship, I think what we're going to see is that audience permanently uh, larger, not to mm -hmm. the numbers we're experiencing now, I, I sure. don't think, but definitely larger. And, and people are seeing, I think, that it is a, a real worship experience which I don't think they truly believed in the before time. Mm. Certainly it's different. There's lots of elements of, I mean, a lot of people come to church and uh, because the, one of the biggest things they get out of it is, is the fellowship. 
portion of that that church experience that worship experiences um it's it's different singing a hymn with even if it's only 20 or 30 people um that group of people versus singing it alone or singing it on your couch uh, on the laptop uh, with just you and your spouse or you alone or you and your family but it's it's keeping them connected to those traditions right and and, and everyone knows that um We'll, we'll be able to get back there. We'll be able to gather again. We don't know how long it's going to be, but uh, it's keeping that alive until we're able to to meet in person again. I hope that uh, I hope too, though that that uh, um, we we uh, have learned learned a few upgrades uh, from this experience too. Um, I know, uh, and and Steve, maybe you didn't have the same experience of this, but but the very first Sunday that we. Uh, uh, live stream with no one in the room. Um, our uh, Damien, our, our tech guy, and I had this lengthy conversation of all of the things we hadn't thought of before, because because our focus was um, the people in the room, the experience of the people in the room, and we just happened to be broadcasting that. And I, I suspect part of that was uh, due to the fact that what we were actually the only two pieces that we were live streaming to our other congregation. Um, each each week was the the children's time, the learning together, and the message. Right, the two sort of long-winded spoken parts by the minister. Um, <laughs> those were the two pieces we were using, and then the other congregation did their own thing around that. Their own, they followed the same order of service, but they had their own leader, um, worship leader, running the service, and their own music, and and everything was live in the room, other than those two pieces, and and. I, I just that very first Sunday, I kind of there were all of these things that I kind of thought, well, we never thought about what that looked like on the other end of the camera, because we only were concerned with those two pieces and everything else. It was just you know, if there's a few people watching at home because they can't be at church that Sunday, that's fine. But, but in fact, that hadn't that was not the goal, was it, Ben? Like from the start, yeah. The goal yeah. of Rising Spirit was for the for for us to create a third, literally a third congregation, which would be an online community. Mm -hmm. And part of that was being able to use the contributions of the two physical communities and um, the live stream and and any of the sort of video stuff that we connect we were creating with that and everything. But it was just even from like in and still like three weeks later we're still thinking of things mm -hmm. that we hadn't really thought of because our perspective was always focused on people in the room in person. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that we not go back to that because the fellowship part is, is super important. Uh, and, and I know a lot of people are really missing that and, and I'm missing that the, the in-person contact thing. But I think we also from, from having to do this, I hope we've learned a few things mm -hmm. um, and not just about how that relates to what people are seeing on the other end of the camera, but also in terms of how we, we, uh, we treat the experience of being in the room. Yeah. Cause it's different, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, we really noticed that as well in a, in a couple of different ways. Um, the first is that we needed to provide a more robust music experience because up until this point, during the time where the congregation who is there in person would be singing, you know, hymns and choruses and things, the, the pianist would be the only one with the live mic. And so she would be playing, which comes through on the live feed as well. And it would just be her voice. 
And that was a very thin experience as it turns out. So we've had to round that out um, to make the experience better for the viewing audience. And the other thing we noticed, and I don't know if, if you've noticed this as well, is that there, and maybe this is just us feeling this, so maybe it's perceived, but there's a perceived need for perfection. So my ministry and partner, my ministry partner and I will often joke around, or if something doesn't go right, it's like, Meh. but when you're, when you're broadcasting, there's a expectation of perfection because we are so used to displays and watching we're very well-trained viewers and so when we're watching netflix or we're watching whatever on the television or youtube or whatever we have an expectation that it's at this level mm -hmm. and our our normal service as it turns out was not at broadcast level it was at that more community kind of folksy level and we had to kind of adapt you, you yeah have, you yeah you feel the pressure to adapt yeah. I, I think it's worth thinking about well do the, it's worth looking at the question do we have to adapt or is um is our uh, society also adapting its expectations because you see things like late night talk show hosts um streaming their show or a, a modified version of their show from their basement or their living room and it's not as polished and it doesn't have eight different, uh, you know, producers behind the cameras and all these, all these other production uh, people making sure that it's perfect and polished and doesn't have the, the expensive equipment and everything. So we're, especially in the midst of this crisis, the audience is, I think, fairly quickly adapting its expectations and adjusting and realizing that, you know, content is more important than uh, like the quality of the content is more important than the quality of the production value. I don't know. Yeah. Marshall McLuhan said the medium's the message. So yeah, I think but there's a balance. I, I think, I think also though, there's a, uh, there's an additional factor here, Ben, which is uh, the in-person seeing, seeing somebody, you know, thing, right? Yeah. The fellowship piece that you, you talked about earlier, right? Um, I, I've watched, I've watched quite a few and, and not that I, I mean, Simon's Valley is just extraordinary, of course, but I've seen a few others. I've seen a few other things where, uh, where I thought to myself, do you guys actually know what this looks like? Mm -hmm. um, like I'm, I'm watching you online and, and it's the, the silly little things, you know, like um, using FaceTime, uh, Facebook Live where, where you're holding your phone uh, underneath, practically underneath your chin. And so we're getting a really great view up your nose. Um, or, or holding it uh, straight up, right? So it's vertical and the, the picture's vertical instead of uh, horizontal, mm. right? And we're used to, particularly the TV screen, you're used to a horizontal view and, and, or the quality of it and, and or where you happen to sit, right? So you happen to sit directly in front of a window that's open and the sun is shining through the window behind you and so you're completely in the dark. And, I, I, and they still post to them. And, and I initially I thought to myself, like, honestly, do you not have any idea what that looks like? Um, <laughs> but then I thought, you know, okay, but um, while that distracted me momentarily from what they were saying, what about what they were saying? And secondly, uh, if I'm a member of that, that congregation, I, I, I'm just seeing my minister. 
or or somebody uh, one of the people who helps lead or or um um i love um i i some of the stuff like simon's valley i, I saw you guys were doing you had posts what was it confessionals or i forget what you called it yeah. um from people different people and and i that i think that's so un, and not that the video quality wasn't awesome because it was um but but when i see stuff like that happening i wonder if like as a member of the congregation watching that i'm a first of all impressed that they were able to do it in the first place um and b um i'm just getting to see somebody i know who i haven't seen now for three weeks mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a great point robin because i like you will check out other churches and just see what they're doing see if there's any ideas that you know are really great that we can borrow or whatever. And I, I remember watching um, one this past weekend. And as I'm watching it, they were the in the camp of trying to do too much. And so they had far too many camera angles going off into different rooms of the church with different guest stars. And it looked like a really bad variety show. But then, uh, but that's coming as someone who's not a part of that community. For somebody who's a part of that community, they get to see those people. And I think in retrospect, there's value in that. Even though as somebody, as an outsider, I don't find value in it, somebody from that community would find value in that, mm. I think. Yeah, that is yeah. such an important distinction. And so, I think it's really, sorry, go ahead, Ben. No, I was gonna lead us in a new direction. So you, you, you go. So I, I just, just a little bit further about that was, um, uh, we've tried to do, uh, um, uh, Holly uh, Chaplin, Benoit and our congregation written a couple of songs and we did a virtual choir thing where, uh, and Ben, you kind of put this together, right? And uh, and I, I watch it and I go, this is awesome because, oh, they're so-and-so or they're so-and-so or, well, that's, look where, well, I can't believe that's so-and-so's living room. Um, and, and it's really, I, I love it. Um, but, and then I watch some other ones like the, uh, uh, how, um, but John Krasinski's uh, some good news thing. Somehow they managed to put together the cast of Hamilton, and <laughs> and it's it's flawless. And and our our stuff is not flawless. Um, and and but it's you know the difference between uh, you know a few thousand dollars worth of equipment and a few million dollars worth of equipment. I'm sure. Um, and it's it's not like that's what we're aspiring to right we're just trying to we're i think what we're aspiring to is what we aspire to every other sunday of the year every other time we do anything is just to do the best that we can with what we've got and and sometimes that's extraordinary um and sometimes it's it's human um and, but but i think yeah i think it just uh i i love that that story about different camera angles and going off into different rooms with different guest stars because <laughs> that i i just like i i yeah the, i think that's uh, i think that's going a little bit too far um it, it, to me a better way of ha doing that would have been maybe I, I see lots of people are doing um zoom coffee calls and stuff like that and i i just that's that's an awesome idea um again though as long as people are familiar with using the technology right Mm -hmm. um, but it's just, it's great to be able to find ways to be in touch. But then when it comes to um, trying to connect with people with, with an experience that's um, uh, meant to be worshipful, um, need to be a little bit more cautious, I think, about how much you try to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, you didn't change your format. Um, we didn't change ours either. This is yeah. the way 
we've been streaming yeah. for years now, and we felt it was important to continue with what we had been doing, if nothing else, uh, but to kind of give that sense of normalcy into people's yeah. lives, because that's what they would normally see on a Sunday service with us. Yeah, yeah I, I do think that's really important. Uh, we, I mean, we've, we've tried to keep all the, uh, we've kept all the elements. Some of them have changed slightly. Um, and just going back to Ben, what you said earlier about, you know, singing with a crowd of people. Unfortunately, what people are getting now is having to listen to me <laughs> singing along with the piano. <laughs> and I'm hoping, of course, that they're singing along at home. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're just laughing hysterically. Who knows? But um, the, the point is we tried to include all the basic elements we had. And sometimes... Some of those are now might be a video clip or something a little bit different. That was actually, in fact, that came uh, again. This this whole experience is is a lot of this is seeing stuff from a different angle. Um, yes, we're forced to, and not in a good way, but it we are seeing now stuff from a different angle. Uh, I realized on Friday uh, when we did the Good Friday service that that is the one service in the year where we have not had a learning together. It was a one piece of the service that we didn't normally include there. And whether that was historically because there were no children on Good Friday or whether it's because, and this is, I kind of talked about this, I guess, uh, as part of it on Friday, but, um, the, the story is not particularly child friendly <laughs> yeah. for that day. Mm. Um, but, yeah, but it was one of those moments. Tone. Yeah. It's just one. And see that matters. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we're seeing that from a slightly different angle. Um, we're, we're trying to include all the basic elements that we've always tried to include, but sometimes you suddenly find yourself questioning whether or not that's necessarily a good idea, um, or, or maybe we can do this a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, one thing you just mentioned there, Robin, the, the importance of uh, having a sense of some degree of normalcy is really valuable to people who are you know, they're not just uh, joining the live stream because, well, it's, it's Sunday. Uh, I guess we better watch church. Ch church is what we do on Sunday mornings. It's, I think it's bigger than that. I think that people have a more acute uh, sense of their spiritual wellness needs, if you want to call it that. And back to that kind of parallel between our physical health and our, and our spiritual and mental and emotional well-being uh, normalcy. It, 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 it's reassuring to, to do something that's comfortable and familiar. Can I, can I just say, um, and I'm just, I'm just weird about this. I realize that I'm, I'm odd about this. In fact, I'm not normal about this, but I, I think we need to stop saying normal <laughs> and normalcy. And I like, I, I think we need to come up with another term, like something like um, authentic consistency um or you know it's like approved <laughs> you know it's just and and but what i mean by that though is that uh, uh i don't i don't think it's a question because everybody's normal is different right i don't think it's a question even necessarily of um uh, what's what's air quotes normal uh it's a question of um having something consistent um and and that might be and 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 something that's authentic being consistent and and for some people that's i go to church sunday morning at 10 30. but for lots of people maybe that we're reaching now who are suddenly looking for 
um, some sort of a connection, some sort of spiritual connection or some support in, in their own sort of search for some sense of spirituality. Um, it, it, for whom it doesn't have to be 10.30 on a Sunday morning, it suddenly doesn't, right? Because like we archive all the services, we're all suddenly doing midweek reflections, you know, or, or adding other bits and pieces uh, on the internet that uh, you can, or, or one thing we're, we're doing too is that we found, of course, that there's, of course, there's people in our congregation who don't have access to the internet. That's usually by choice, but they simply don't. What they do have is a DVD player. So we whack everything onto a DVD and take it over and drop it off. And then they still get to see everybody, right? They're not connecting in the same way and they're connecting when they can. And in that instance, like I'm sure they're, uh, and I think this is true of lots of people, they're connecting when they feel they need to, mm-hmm. right? So they might not be sitting there with their, with their jammies on and a cup of coffee watching on Sunday morning at 1030. And by the way, when we all get back in our buildings, I think we should all have services where people can wear their jammies and bring a coffee. <laughs> um, but I, I just, I, because that's a whole new way of participating, right? But but I, I I don't think it's just those people. I think it's people who, you know, Friday night at 11, um, they're just thinking about stuff and looking around on the internet and suddenly they happen on, you know, Stephen did a midweek reflection three weeks ago. Oh, it sounds interesting. And suddenly they're connecting, right? And then they maybe mm-hmm. want to watch something else or connect in another way. So one way of describing that, Robin, that you just... Um that whole world that you just painted a picture of, you could describe it as sort of self-serve pastoral care. I mean, you, mm-hmm. as ministers, both of you have had lots of experience, I'm sure, in, um, in delivering pastoral care support. And often that takes the form of a one-on-one conversation with someone who reaches out that they're struggling. They maybe are grieving. They've just lost a loved one. Um, maybe they've just lost their job. Maybe they have a health concern. Uh, there are so many people that are dealing with all of the above right now, and they're confined to their home. They can't have a minister drop in and have coffee with them in their living room. Um, and hopefully, if they are tech savvy enough, and they're they are online and they they're on uh, Facebook or they're on social media, they can uh, come to our website or they can go on Facebook and and find some of those videos and 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 consume some of that content when it works for them, when, the, when they're in the mood for it, when the kids are asleep and they're able to actually focus on it. Um, but it's, it's kind of more on their terms of uh, accessing it when they feel the need and when they have the time. How, how has this whole crisis uh, changed maybe how we do pastoral support and pastoral care? and maybe even changed how we think about pastoral care and, and, and um, serving that spiritual uh, health care to our, to our congregations, to our online faith community. Um, what, what do you both think about that? I think, we, I think now we have to be more intentional about it, about what we do just because we're not working with the same tools that we would normally access. I mean, if somebody calls Bashaw United during the week and needs a visit, Robin can go visit them in you know the pre-COVID times. And so there's that aspect of presence that he brings to that meeting. There's that aspect of comfort that he brings to that meeting. And so now, without that meeting, we have to 
be intentional that through the things we're providing, whether that's a phone call or a Zoom meeting, if they have the, the technological ability, or if we're just posting things to our website or Facebook or YouTube, we have to make sure that we're making that video that engenders that feeling of familiarity and comfort because we can't be there in person. So we have to kind of go through the camera into yeah. their, into their mm -hmm. living room. I kind of wonder, I love what you said, Stephen. And I think it, this is interesting that, you know, we, we both all, the three of us are all part of fairly quote unquote, small um, communities of faith. We have relatively small congregations, especially compared to some of the big, really big mega churches and the huge churches that, especially that you see down in the United States. And I, I, I kind of think that being small is a bit of an advantage in the sense that um, not having the pressure and the need to, to, for it, things to, to be so perfect and so polished and to come across as that broadcast quality in everything that you do, when you hop on a Zoom call or on phone call with someone in your community that just knows you and you can be, um, you can just be authentic, like you said, Robin, with that person, I think that there's, uh, it's almost easier to do that from the, from where we're sitting in these small churches than it would be to, to try to s still be able to offer that and that intimate, authentic connection with thousands of people. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it kind of depends on what your connection is though. I mean, a lot of those larger uh, churches, um, they, they, uh, this sounds, this sounds, I'm sorry, I'm saying this in a really poor way, but they, they basically divide the congregation up into smaller groups and then they have somebody who basically facilitates the group or, or stays in touch with the group. And that's how they, right. so they do their pastoral care via sort of smaller groups, right? Um, which is great if you have a whole herd of people who are pastoral care workers. Um, but, um, in, so, so I think they're still able to do that to a, to a certain degree. I think that the, the thing here is, um, for me, at least, the thing here is how you do it, that we're, we're having to look at it a little bit differently. Like, like Stephen said, you can't sort of suddenly, um, you know, pick, pick up a call and go and visit somebody in person. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm notoriously, I'm, I, I don't give good phone. And uh, I, I just, I'm not a good person on the phone. I'm, I'm better in person, oddly enough, I know it's hard to believe, but, um, but, but there are lots of people who are, and you know who is really good on the phone? People who don't have the internet because they're so used to using the phone, right? <laughs> older people, you know, do you know what I mean? No, I mean, there's, there's older people who they're not interested in email and Facebook and stuff, but they are people who fondly remember the era when we had phone trees and we had, you know, it was nothing to pick up the phone and talk to a neighbor for 45 minutes to an hour or something just to chat on the phone. And, and so I think, Part, part of what needs to happen right now is that we're reaching out to people who do that and encouraging them to do it more even than they were doing before. I think also people like me need to darn well figure out how to be better on the phone. Um, but I think also you use, you use what you can, right? Um, I, I, uh, before this started, uh, I go and play the piano because I can. I go and play the piano for an hour on a Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock 
at uh, Basha Meadows in Basha, the seniors place, which is of course one of the first places it was locked down. And uh, so since then, on Tuesdays, I record 45 minutes or so of music. Um, uh, and frankly, it's only 45 minutes because an hour takes too long to download to a stick. Um, but um, I do, I record some music and I put it on USB stick, I drop it off there. And sure enough, at three o'clock on a Tuesday, they play it on the big screen in the in the in the rec room there. Um, I, I take a service there on Thursday, and and you know, uh, I I just first of all, it's important that they can they can see that they're still in touch, right? But I also think it's I do it every week. Uh, it would be really easy, and this is the thing about recording stuff. I think it'd be really easy to record one thing or two mm -hmm. and then alternate them and just play the same thing every week. Cause you know, to be honest with you, it's not like I play a lot of different music. It's a lot of stuff from the thirties and forties and, and that's, you know, cause that's what they like. Um, but I just think it's so important for them to see something each week that begins with some reference to it, what time it is or what the weather's like, just so that it feels like it's a, it's they're maintaining a connection with something that's real right it's not just that it's a recording uh it's it's real from today kind of thing and and i just again that's one of the things about uh um being able to use video and and record services and the and live stream archiving live live stream stuff right is at least initially it needs to be live mm -hmm. for people to connect with it right it's got to be a, differently yeah, it feels different. And and we use, we, I, I will say, um, the last few weeks, we've used more video on a Sunday morning in, in our live stream service than we have for quite some time, although we do use a fair bit of video. Um, and, uh, and, and, but it's still within the context of something that we hope people will perceive as being authentically in the moment. Right, and I, I, I think that's an important piece of doing that, it, and and it's also an important piece of the pastoral care thing. It's it's not enough to to watch. Um, th this is terrible now because a few minutes ago I said you know somebody watched Stephen's reflection from three weeks ago and it helped them connect, but now I'm going to say exactly the opposite <laughs> uh, because I think it's also important for there to be fresh stuff. Right, it's like like we we often say this about web pages. Uh, or Facebook pages, if you go to that page for information and the information is, is six months old, you aren't going back to that page. No. You want to see that they keep it up to date and in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that there's new stuff there all the time. And I think that is super important right now, particularly uh, when it comes to the pastoral care aspect of things, because we do need to be more intentional about reaching out to people, um, but we can't always just kind of pick up the phone and call somebody. Um, we perhaps need to be able to reach out in a way that um, allows them to uh, allows them to feel like we're connecting with them when in fact it's something that we've designed to connect with many. That sounds terrible as I'm saying that out loud. Um, but it, do you know what I mean? That it, we, we create something that is authentically who we are and people react to it and um, and sometimes they might kind of go, yeah, that's nice, but you know, okay. And other times they might come back or they might reach out and call. Um, you know, it's a way to perhaps encourage people to make a call if they want to. 
we, we've been just saying that for a while, right? With people, sorry, Stephen, we've been saying that for a while, that, that just having to constantly remind people that when they're isolated, it's so important to reach out and talk. Yeah. What was that old AT&T commercial, reach out and touch someone? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you're not doing uh, that now. No, it's, we're, yeah. we're Weinstein on that one. Uh, but the, um, the idea, though, that live is important is, I know, vital for you, and it's vital for us as well, because... One of the things that helps us to connect with people in the moment as we're broadcasting our, our live stream is, is the chat that goes on. Mm. And so we use it as, as ministers, Vicki and I, to ask for prayer requests, and then we'll include those prayer requests in the prayers of the people, which is helpful because people can get their prayers into us and, and feel connected that way. But one of, the, one of the side benefits that's really taken off since since COVID hit is that the chat box now becomes a place for people to visit during the service and mm. somebody will log on and they'll say, Oh, Gertrude, good to see you. I missed you. And, and so they'll have their own conversations that, that happen during the service mm-hmm. in, in the chat. So that has been an unexpected surprise of, of mm. something that's taken off. That's really cool. I, I love hearing stories of unexpected benefits of, taking what we do that's meaningful in our church buildings and taking that into online ministry or build online community building. It's, it's sort of this alchemy that um, most of us can't predict how it's going to work um, because you don't know how people are going to receive it and how they're going to respond. And you have to just try to, you know, do your best, put it out there and, and wait and see like what's going to happen here. Um, mm-hmm. How are people going to receive this? How are they going to use it? How are they going to respond? So um, I'm more familiar with what uh, with with our story and what we're doing here in in Basha and Pinocchio. But Stephen, in the last few weeks and and as this um, this period of home isolation and social distancing is drawing on longer, and we're hearing that it could last for quite some time yet, what are what are you hearing from people in your community of faith? in terms of what people's needs are uh, and how we getting back to that idea of how we respond to um, this spiritual health and well-being care that we provide to people. Mm-hmm. I think people the, biggest, the biggest thing that I'm hearing uh, from folks is the need for proximity that isn't going to happen anytime soon. They just, they miss being near the people that they care about and have friendships with and having that interaction from a couple feet away rather than, you know, from several miles through their online connection. And so that, I, you know, that's a tough workaround because I, we're looking now and, you know, as you know from the news, Calgary is kind of the epicenter of Alberta. So we've been hit pretty hard with the virus and we're looking now at, and thinking, gosh, are we even going to be back in our building before September for worship services? Maybe, but maybe not um and so how do we how do we sustain people through that and i i don't necessarily have an answer for that right now because we can't give them what they need we can't give them that physical touch for some of the people that live alone anyway and 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 don't have other people in their home to visit with or to ignore or to watch netflix with or they're just feeling super isolated and uh, it's important that we reach out and that's good. And we do, and we try to make opportunities online and in, in phone meetings and everything, but it, it still doesn't 
still doesn't scratch that itch of, mm. of, a, of a hug or or a pat on the back or yeah anything so and we know yeah. how critical that is to mm. to um to our well-being like a, a baby that's starved of touch mm. and affection and contact will not thrive the same as a baby that's held a lot and has that skin-to-skin -skin contact and is snuggled or you look at in, in prisons solitary confinement is like the ultimate punishment that it's the last thing anyone would would want to receive as a, as a punishment to be in total solitary isolation and that's what millions of people are, are many many people are, are facing right now if they if they happen to live alone when all of this started they have no no way of uh, of meeting those those important needs there's a, 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 and full disclosure, I did not read the story, but it, it was because the headline annoyed me so much. There was a headline this morning I noticed on CBC News about something about will um, COVID-19 be the end of the handshake mm -hmm. as a greeting? And, and I, that just, honestly, like, you, you guys need stuff to write about? Um, because I, I think I, the only way that that could be true would be if we replaced it with a hug. Because I think people, uh, like Stephen, Stephen's right. I think people are so desperate for contact. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And and the more the more we are isolated, the more we rely on seeing people either online or um, or hear their voice on the phone or. Uh, we see pictures or um, one of the things that some people here have been doing and and I know this is happening with other seniors places all over the place is that they go over uh, they'll go over and just like wave at people through the window yeah, right awesome. or there was a great story of somebody in the states where they they went to visit a guy went to visit his dad and he'd take a chair and he'd sit outside the window mm. and they'd talk on the phone but they'd be either side of the glass kind of thing. And it's, it's because we need the touch. We need the interaction. We need the contact. And the only way I can think of that we're going to get rid of handshakes is if it's, yeah, it's a hug instead or, you know, some sort of physical contact. I can't imagine we're ever going to reach a point where we don't want that. Mm -hmm. Do you all pass the peace in Pinocchio and Basha? Uh, we we don't. No. No, we we, uh, we did for we did for a while in Bashaw, and uh, it was just not. Um, it, uh, actually, this is kind of this is interesting because um, uh, I was going to mention this earlier that um, we in in Bashaw, um, they're not used to having music before the service. Okay, and. Uh, I, I tried to do that. I tried to like, even you just using recordings, tried to, and people complained about the damn music before the service when they're trying to talk. <laughs> and it's because people would come, they greet each other and they'd be sure. talking to each other, they'd be chatting because that's what they do. They don't need music to either cover that or, you know, be playing in the background. It's what they do. It's their way of interacting when they, when they come together. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure Basha's not the only place where that happens, where, um, People are just there. It's a place where they found interaction and they need it. So that's what they do. And uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, um, it, when we tried to, on the other hand, when we tried to encourage people to share the piece um, as part of the service, they, they interpreted it differently. Mm. Right. You want to shake somebody's hand or give them a hug and wish them peace, but they interpreted it as, as, um, another greeting 
And we've been doing that for 10 minutes before we started. So, right. you know. So they're already passing the piece before the service, essentially. And it, see, initially, well, you know what? Initially, I thought, yeah, yeah, you guys, you don't understand. The passing the piece is little, like it, you just, you say peace to you. And it's, it's, a, it's a liturgical. And, and, but then, of course, I realized, nope, they were actually doing that. In their conversations, they were doing that very thing. Mm. Um, they were just doing it before we started. Yeah, yeah it's, just a, it's just a different way to look at it. Hey? Yeah, yeah. Again, yes, there we are. We're back at a different way to look at it. Mm. Yeah. So speaking of that, um, some churches have been taking a very uh, different perspective on the um, restrictions of uh, gathering people together and kind of um, turning their nose up at it and saying, well, we're, we're uh, covered by the grace of God and we're going to just get together anyway because church is too important to us to stop and we're not going to listen to the government. Have you, speaking of headlines, have you guys seen this, the stories of some of the churches like in uh, Louisiana and some of the southern states that are just, you know, we're, we're not afraid? And uh, the, like the one, I think, pastor said, uh, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And... So they, and I think they even had the police waiting outside the church to, um, to greet people as they were coming out from the, the church service because they were yeah. breaking the, the rules and gathering hundreds of hundreds of people into a small space. What do you make of that? I think the terminology they use is covered in the blood of Jesus, whatever that means. <laughs> That's the one I heard on the news. Uh during that whole time was they're talking to people as they're leaving church. It's like, what? we're not afraid of death. And the, yeah, we're covered yeah. by the blood of Jesus. What? You know, it's it, like, I, and one of those, sadly, of course, more than one of those headlines were things like, you know, the pastor has now died. Yeah. You know, because they got, they got COVID-19 and they have died. And, and it just reminds me of, uh, and uh, what's this like 20 years ago now, it's probably still happening. Uh, the story about the, uh, the the pastor of the the church with the snakes right the snake handling churches yeah in in the south there mm-hmm. um and uh, he died because the snake bit him didn't have enough faith i guess and he exactly <laughs> and and but but that's the whole thing is that they, the snake handling part of the snake handling thing is that god's going to protect you yeah well what happens when God doesn't protect you. Um, do you interpret that as God did not protect him? Or do you interpret that as clearly God had nothing to do with that? That person was just really stupid about it. Um, or, and, or and that's the thing. Uh, you know, that's the thing. It's, it's just, it's this, it, this isn't about, in fact, I, you know, I kind of said this the other day and, and Lori, my wife told me I shouldn't say stuff like this, but, but I'm going to say it anyway, you know, because I do. Um, but uh, what a waste of faith. Yeah. What a waste. Um, if, if, you, if you're saying that your, your faith is so great that God will protect you uh, in an instance like that, I'm just, you're wasting, you're just wasting it. It's it, funny it's, to me that they, they put God in a box like that because yeah. God works through scientists and doctors and all sorts of people. And if, yeah. if the people like that, like Dr. Hinshaw are saying, stay away from each other. That's God working through her as well. Yeah. So listen yeah. to God. Yeah. It's, it's hard to do it. Um, and I think the longer it draws on, you're uh, unfortunately, sadly, we're going to start seeing more and more stories of people saying, you know, like, I just can't take this anymore and uh, screw it. I'm going to just 
go back to living how I want to live, or you're going to start to see uh, more and more issues with compliance. I mean, how long can you really hold a civilization together and communities together under really tight restrictions as people start to feel the need for that social um, activity and physical contact and as people start to feel even more uh, increased pressure of not having the income that they're used to, uh, not having the uh, just the day-to-day -day activities that they're used to having that keep them feeling um, happy and and satisfied like and productive and um I, I i worry that we are going to start seeing more and more um breaking of the rules and people just uh not having the patience to like in the first few weeks it's easy for everyone to to laugh about it and to say oh we're running out of toilet paper and but you know cheering on the nurses and the doctors and we're going to do our part to stay home and then a few months later, that's that's a totally different uh, equation. I think. Yeah, we just we're just finishing our first month. We yeah. we have two or three more to go, I think minimum. And I think that's a good point, Ben. How do we how do we make sure that people are still listening and uh, as hard as it is? Because if we re re-engage too quickly, then bad things are going to happen. Uh, Singapore, I just read in the news today, they they started limiting social distancing and open up non-essential businesses, and they had a spike in cases again, and they're the poster child for for dealing with COVID. Mm. And and overnight, they've had 750 more cases. Wow. And so, that'll, be, that'll be in addition to, of course, the people who have already decided that it's a conspiracy and that's the government figuring out a way to control you more. Yeah. Um, but you know what, I think, I think it actually, uh, maybe it, it's it, it, like Ben, you said, you described it as break the rules. And maybe, maybe the key is to remind people that it's not about, it's not about a law or a rule that says you have to behave a certain way. It's about doing the right thing because it's, it's about your health. Uh, it's about the care of others. It's about mm. it's about ensuring that we continue to exist as a community in the the future. It's not just about somebody saying you can or can't do X, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you brought that up because you are starting to see a lot more of that already, and people um, protesting and things even. And I I guess the way I would look at it is if I am on board because I see the logic, and I'm on board with um, social distancing because I see the benefit to my fellow citizen, then you're not controlling me by telling me that I have to keep six feet distance between me and others. I'm choosing to comply with that suggestion because I, out of, out of respect and love for people mm -hmm. in my community. And so it's, it doesn't feel like I've had my, my freedom taken away. It doesn't feel like anybody's controlling me because I'm choosing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what a time to preach uh you love your neighbor as yourself you know the greatest commandment yeah absolutely so um we'll we'll wrap it up here guys but maybe as a last um question to, to pose to both of you if if we do see this going on for another couple months and it, if it does start to get a lot more difficult what are some things that we um from your perspectives that we should be really mindful of and what can we do to um to really care for each other and to reach out as uh, communities of faith to, um, to do what we can to, 
to help each other to get get through this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that, I mean, what you just said, I mean, basically we continue to reach out as best we can. I would like to think too that, um, uh, you know, and the, the thing about Easter, uh, uh, the thing about Easter is that it's not a day, right? First of all, it's a season. Um, but one of the reasons it's a season is because it's a beginning. It's a, it's a beginning of, of stories about new life. It's a beginning of, of things being different, right? So we have stories about things being different. And uh, we have, we are very definitely in a place where things are different. And uh, we just need to keep trying and, and trying and trying to discover new ways uh, to, to stay connected, to new ways to reach out to people. Like you said, we, we need to reach out to people. Um, it, it, we need to find new and different ways to do that. Uh, and, and if that's uh, for, and, and what's appropriate for who it's appropriate for. Uh, sorry, that sounded really convoluted, but, but for people who use the internet and are like they're on their phones, lots and everything, texting, emailing, uh, video, uh, FaceTime, all that kind of stuff's awesome. For people who don't do that, uh, we need to find ways to reach them. We need to, whether that's just talking on the phone, showing up at their window and waving at them, um, anything like that, anything that gives them uh, a sense of feeling like they're connected still. Mm -hmm. um, that, that even through this, yes, th this is how it is, but even through all of that, we're trying to stay connected. And, and all yeah. of us can do that. It's not just about yeah. what should ministers be doing or what should yeah. churches be doing. It's just what humans can do yeah. to, to support each other. Yeah, we yeah. really have to mobilize mobilize the people in our congregation to to help with pastoral care. It can't all be done by yeah. the ministers. And we're kind of going with the idea and we're trying to get it through to our folks. If you think of somebody, call them. Yeah. Uh, it's as simple as that. If if you think that, oh, I wonder what so-and-so is doing, give them a call because they're going to love that. And and I think reminding people that they're not alone in this. Yeah. That, Those, that we're all in this together. Yeah, two really good points, Stephen. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that, that we're able to reach out to people like you and that um, people who are uh, kind of taking a leadership role in these faith communities have the support of each other and can borrow best practices and ideas from from other communities of faith of what's working and what creative things other people are doing that we might be able to, to try and, and see if it's appropriate, see if people respond and, and like it. Um, thank you both so much for taking some time out of your day and making yourselves available to, to have this conversation. I hope that people got lots of value from it. Um, and we'll keep doing this. We're going to keep having these weekly uh, conversations over a coffee and diving into different topics and important questions um, and hope that we can get the three of us together again um, for another one in the future great love to that'd be awesome thanks ben thanks Stephen. thanks robin thanks ben thanks guys and thanks everybody so much for listening i hope that you did get lots from this conversation and uh, like Stephen said know that you're not alone and if you think of someone today after listening to this podcast uh, send them a quick text or, or some type of um, communication to let them know that you're thinking of them and that they're not alone. And often uh, filling up someone else's spiritual cup is the quickest way to, to also fill up your own. So until you join us next time on the podcast, uh, thanks so much again for listening. We hope that you're staying healthy and safe 
And uh, until the next time, take care and be well.